if you could talk to your 16-year-old self right now, what would you say to that 16-year-old? I'm Alex Del Sordo, and this is another Coach's Yelling. I, I, I was nervous for this one, and I still have butterflies in my stomach. As they started coming on the show, I could not believe who I have here. We started the show focused on rowers, and then we branched out, and we now have a legend. We have 10 Olympic gold medals between three individuals, and we have a professional football player on the show. I'm elated, I'm excited, I'm thrilled, and the topics today are gonna really impact the young athletes around the world. And it's gonna help, it's a topic that we believe even parents are gonna to wanna to be engaged with. So we're gonna get into it, I'm gonna get right into the intros. Now one person has been on the show multiple times. Now this guy, I mean, let's see, two-time Olympic gold medalist, <laughs> eight-time gold medalist, world champion, one of the best male rowers in the world, Eric Murray from Down Under. Welcome to the show. G'day, mate. Good to be back again. Yes. So uh, tell the audience really quick, what have you been up to lately? What's going on in your world? Uh, what's been going on in our world? Well, New Zealand's leading the charge, obviously. Um, we pretty much eradicated coronavirus here in New Zealand. And the only cases that we've got coming back are people that are coming back from overseas. So. Um, look, you know, we're trying to get back to a bit of normality. It is what it is. Uh, but just doing a lot of work with Concept2, um, just getting, trying to get fit myself, uh, looking at doing some more events around New Zealand and, yeah, uh, trying to keep busy, should we say that. But I actually am playing a lot of golf at the same time, so that's quite enjoyable. I like that. I like that. And look, man, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. It's, I know it's early for you. Thank you. Um, next up, I Look, if I could spend 20 minutes talking about all her accolades, Olympics, 84, 88, 92, five, six medals, three gold, a silver, two bronze, heptathlon athlete, long jumper, UCLA, Jackie Joyner-Kersey, I knew you when I was six years old. You were all we talked about, the 92 Olympics. It was the dream team and you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. Ah, so what have you been up to lately in, in your world? What have you been doing? So I, I have a youth center in my hometown of East St. Louis. And um, here at the center today, we have our summer camp started back June 15th. And so uh, we're working with young people and not traveling, you know, but uh, <laughs> doing a lot of Zoom. <laughs> but uh, no, and then just trying to uh, find ways to stay uh, healthy and safe and, and motivating young people, hopefully to be the best that they could be. Oh, that is beautiful. And I'm, and I'm hoping today's topics will do that. Uh, so again, thank you for being here. Uh, next up, geez, Susan Francia. Okay, let's, let's just get into it. Susan, two-time gold medalist, five-time world champion, part of that huge run with the Olympics and the women's, uh, women's Olympic eight, and you've won Henley multiple times. I, I am just getting chills as I go through your athletic uh, Wait, my greatest athletic feat was when Jackie Joyner-Kersey uh, helped me with my long jump. <laughs> when she coached me and said, and she just clapped. She said, oh, that's a nice. Oh, you remember that? 
Oh my gosh! So you two know each other. I love it. Yeah. I love hearing this. So, Susan, uh, tell I think the she role. said stick to rowing. I think that was the, uh, the final <laughs> verdict job, from though. the long jump. You have a you have a heck of a career. So, Susan, uh, what have you been up to lately? What's been going on in your world? Um, yeah. So, actually, I've made quite the switch. And uh, speaking of the coronavirus, I work for a biotech, wow. and we're involved in uh, a lot of we do like manufacturing for a lot of different. Uh, coronavirus and you know related therapeutics and vaccines so it's pretty exciting work um and then on the side i'm still doing like public speaking and doing different corporate events trying to you know encourage people through rowing to uh i don't know be better at teamwork and leadership oh that is awesome i think we're going to learn a lot about your transition as you pointed out uh in these next couple of minutes here but thank you so much susan for being here uh, next up, and I know, James, I know you didn't win an Olympic gold medal, but you played professional football for the Seattle Seahawks. You were a tight end. And I know that you, after that, you've done amazing things with your career. I, I don't want to waste your time here. Get right into it. Tell us what you've been up to lately, man. This is awesome. Yeah. So after, uh, after football, I started working a lot with nonprofits, helping them especially do fundraising around their, uh, in their development departments. Uh, and just recently, two years ago, I transitioned into a, a new career, which is working for a tech startup uh, out here in New York City. Um, and it's been a super interesting transition. Uh, so I'm a sales director there. Uh, we work with customer service teams, which is a super hot thing going on right now, where yeah. all these call centers have been impacted by COVID. Uh, so now you got like, you know, hundreds or even thousands of people now working from home instead of in a call center. So there's a whole uh, new need for innovation and technology to help uh, companies have this best in class customer support. And so that's basically what I'm doing. I'm helping companies uh, provide uh, a competitive, competitive advantage in customer service. Well, this is great. I mean, this is really going to tie in what you're doing to what we're talking about today. Because like you started your career, you've, you've college football, professional football, now you transition and you found success in a completely different part of the world. I love it, man. Yeah. And I'm thrilled yeah. that you're here. Um, thank you. Now we're going to get into it. Now those, for those of you new to the show, and I hope there's, there's new people new to the show, um, this, we're, we're getting into rounds of two questions, okay? Each person gets 90 seconds to answer, thumbs up or down based on what I, how they answer the question. And at the end, one person is eliminated. We move into what's called coaches yelling, where we have a discussion based on the first two questions. Now, I don't know if I can say someone loses in one of these rounds. We'll see. We'll see. But we're going to get right into it. Eric Murray, you are, you are a seasoned veteran of coaches yelling. We're going to get right into it with you. 90 seconds on the clock. Here we go. Should athletes be specializing in a sport or should they be doing multiple sports throughout their career? You're on the clock. Uh, I definitely think as a young athlete, you should test the field, you should get out there and do it. Um, but I, I necessarily think that the problem that, and probably the question that this has been asked is that do people get stale or is it because they're doing certain things? Um, I think that the balance is where you need it. You need a life balance, you need hobbies, you need to be doing different things outside of your sport. Um, you know, whether that's working with youth groups, that's giving back, uh, community work, because that's, that tends to be the case. Um, but in terms of specialising, yeah, ultimately at some point in time, if you want to be the best in your sport, you basically just have to dive headfirst in, mm. shut everything else. The, literally the universe revolves around this and you've got to give it 100% and it's no stone unturned doing it. One of the other things that I, and I say to kids and, and other athletes that are coming through, 
the one word that I've completely got out of my repertoire is sacrifice because there is no sacrifice in doing what we're doing. It's a choice. We love doing it. Um, and the fact is that at some point in time, you have to make that choice. It's no different than someone goes into an office job. That's their choice. They want to go and earn 200 grand a year. That's fine. It means that they can't go rowing every day. They can't go running. They can't go to the gym in the mornings. They've got to work 12 hours a day, all that sort of stuff. That's exactly what it is. And so for us as athletes, at some point in time, you've got to be like, right, this is my career. This is my path. I'm going to go on this journey and it's either going to take me to the top levels and the extremes or I might fall on the wayside. And it, as a person, that's when you have to just dedicate 100% Time. to doing what oh, you're doing. Man. Okay, you're getting into it. We're going to save it for the coach's yelling part. Great job answering that question. I love it. I think a lot of parents, which help direct these athletes, um, force the kids to specialize. I think that's the way to go, even at like five years old. Uh, Jackie Joyner-Kersey coming on for the question. Should, I'm going to repeat this one more time. Should athletes be specializing in the sport or should they be doing multiple sports through their career? You're on the clock. I believe in uh, a variety. And uh, I think that you learn so much from being in an individual sport as well as a team sport, how to work together. Uh, also how, and then how you develop and evolve, you know, as a uh, student athlete or an athlete. And uh, when I say develop from the standpoint of if you're doing basketball, swimming or baseball, there are different uh, parts of your body that you're, that you're using. And especially with young girls at a very young ages, uh, learning just foot movement in basketball or volleyball or eventually in track. But uh, I truly believe that eventually uh, you will find your passion and mm -hmm. then that would drive you to the one sport that you love because no matter what, uh, no matter how hard someone else says it is, you'll find a way you're getting up and you're doing the work. You, you'll be there before the coaches are there and you'll be the last one still there trying to learn more. You want to watch videos and, and you, eventually you decide that that's just what you want to do. So passion, driven, focus, and being committed. That's interesting. So, you know, I, I guess the question, it varies per person. Like you might find that you're really passionate about rowing or running at age 11 or might find it when you're 20, right? You don't know when that happens, but so you're saying stay variety until you find what you really wanna focus on. Love it, perfect. Uh, Susan, you're up here. I'll repeat the question again. Should athletes be specializing in one sport or doing multiple in their career? You're on the clock. Yeah, um, I, I think they should be in, in multiple sports. Um, you'll see behind me, these are some trophies uh, from high school. I think they're unfortunately participation trophies, but still, you know, I learned a lot of different um, motor skills and kind of like Jackie was saying, uh, just body movements that are so different from the sport that I ended up specializing in. And I think that's really important, not just for burnout, but also just appreciating even those other sports and what those skills entail. Now, you know, okay, I'm a two-time Olympic gold medalist. I am also tall. But when I go to play volleyball, man, I suck. And I really, you know, I wish I had developed, you know, maybe played volleyball or done other ball sports so I could be a little bit of a better all-around athlete. So, you know, now hindsight, I'm like, oh, I should have tried more things. Um, but so I think that's really the advantage is, is kind of that, that appreciation. And also, you know, not, not getting injuries early on. Is there a point, is there a point when 
you have to specialize? I mean, was there a point that you just, you have to move into one sport only? Yes. I mean, when you decide to be an elite athlete, yes, that's, I mean, Absolutely. that's. It's dependent on everybody, right? It just depends on the athlete. Yeah, but I, I, we when, have so Once many you get parents. that bug, that passion of like, okay, this is my goal, then it's, all right, game on. All right. Well, that's a minute and a half. Uh, James, pro football player. Um, let's bring you in here. Should athletes specialize or do multiple uh, sports? Uh, let's get him off mute and you're on the clock. Yeah, I would say there's two perspectives here, right? You could, you know, when you're talking about being a gymnast, right, you got to start at a very young age. You got to be fully focused and dedicated to that particular sport. So I think, you know, it does depend on the sport that you're going to be mm. uh, committing to. Um, but with that said, I think, you know, and I, I think this is a pretty unanimous perspective across the board today that, you know, the more sports you do, the more, you know, there's so many transferable skills to each sport. I know um, specifically that NFL scouts look for a basketball background for quarterbacks that they're, you know, hmm. recruiting or scouting. Um, and that makes perfect sense because basketball is like the perfect sport, right? It's got plyometrics, agilities, eye-hand coordination, cardio. It's got everything. So um, if, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to have kids someday, they'll definitely be playing basketball at an early age, but just kind of like helping them to kind of like have a introduction into athletics in general. And then from there, you know, wherever they want to go, whatever they want to do, I think there's some really, you know, um, sports in general provide a ton of valuable transferable skills to all areas of life. So I think, and especially the different types of coaches out there, there's going to be a different type of coach for, you know, lacrosse to volleyball to uh, hockey and golf. Uh, so exposing kids to all those different types of personalities, uh, I think is also helpful as well because there's going to be a tons of different variety. Yeah, you know, I, I, just, I just had four elite athletes tell me that they should be doing multiple sports. So I'm wondering why are so many parents – forcing their children to stick to one sport at an early age. And I see it, believe me. Mm -hmm. I have two children, I have a six and four year old. Even now I see parents saying, just do one sport. And there was, a, there was an era in our, in our time, call it mid, mid 90s into the early 2000s where parents were focused on one sport and one sport only. I even, my father forced me to play just football. And I ended up rowing. So interesting. Now we're going to keep you on, uh, James. We're going to get right into the second question. And I'm excited for this one. What is the biggest thing young athletes are not properly prepared for as they enter into the elite athlete stage, like pro league or going for that Olympic gold medal? And what should we be doing better to prepare them? You're on the clock. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, something that I know the NFL was pretty good at when I first got there was letting us know that this is just a temp job. Like there's a shelf life to an athletic, you know, any sort of athletic, you know, uh, skill or ability. I know that dancers here in New York city, um, you know, ballet dancers, they go through the same transition, the same challenges of kind of like building up so much of their identity because they put on so much work and focus into this one thing. Uh, and then when they're, when that shelf life comes and, you know, they have to stop doing that, the transition into something new can be really challenging and um, really tough. And I think probably we've all experienced that on some level, um, finding out what this plan B is for us and how we're going to take all that passion that we had in one thing and now focus that into another. Um, so I think that that type of conversation still needs to be very active for parents 
who are, you know, having kids that are, you know, experiencing some sort of um, success in a sport, letting them know that in perspective here, um, this is just a temp job. This is just a temp activity for you. This is not your identity. Um, this is just something that you're doing. You're a completely different person from this activity. That's an interesting perspective. I mean, well done, well spoken there. I mean, I don't know many parents that have ever said that to their children. That's an interesting thing. And even coaches, I mean, they make it their entire lives, but you're right. You can't do it forever, right? Take J Jackie, for example. I mean, she found, she founded this foundation. She's moved on to another career. Susan, every, people get scared about what happens next. I love that. Susan, let's bring you on. Um, if you want me to repeat the question, I can. Um, what is the biggest thing young athletes are not prepared for as they become pro or go after that Olympic gold? And what should we be doing about it? You're on the clock. Um, I think the transition to elite athlete, I think there's nothing that really can truly prepare you. And I think each mm. person's journey needs to happen in order to get to where they are. So I almost, you know, people have asked me, oh, how could you have been like, was there something you could have done? And I almost feel like, no, I had to go through some of those failures to really, mm -hmm. you know, get myself through that challenge and really ask myself, do I really want to be doing this? Like, what is this worth to me? And mm -hmm. to really question, you know, like, hey, is this what you want? Is it worth it? Do you love it? Um, and just going through those, those kind of like trials and tribulations on my own to get to be the most successful athlete. And, you know, it's so funny, some, you know, I also coach and I almost feel like with athletes, they just have to figure it out on their own. You know, I can give them all the tools, I can guide them. Um, but then at the end of the day, I'd love to see when sometimes it takes them years to figure out what they're, they're truly even capable of. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of narrow this down is like, they, they just have to learn on their own, but they also define what the worth is to them. Like they have to define in their heads why they're doing this because it takes such a sacrifice. I can't imagine what the four of you went through training at that level. I mean, you, you have to have the why inside. I like it. Uh, Jackie, you work with young kids all the time. At, 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 at all levels, what is the biggest thing young athletes are not prepared for when they enter into the pro leagues or going for the gold medal? And what should we do? You're on the clock. You know, uh, you know I thought about this. And I think probably the, the biggest challenge, which is not a challenge, but uh, being realistic, you know, and uh, not full of yourself and know that there are many of you out there, <laughs> you know, you're not the only one and that uh, uh, preparation is, is very important. And, and then also uh, accountability and then respecting, uh, when I say authority, I, I mean, for me, I was always uh, a student of the game or whatever I was doing, no matter my coaches, I was there to learn from them. And I think sometimes when they transition from uh, high school to college into the professional ranks, and then you're making a lot of money, then all of a sudden that respect is lost, you mm. know, from a coach that's there. And so it's not losing sight of who you are, but being realistic because that person is there to teach you and to help you. And it's just because you're making more money doesn't mean that that person doesn't know as much. So I, I think uh, living each moment, you know, like the last and, and, and seeing what 
the big picture, you know, um, Susan was saying, I, I, I agree, is that for me, I had to learn that injury comes with what, what, what we do. You know, it's not the end of the world. How do I figure out, do what I need to do, go to my physical therapist, get myself together and bounce back. And just like in life, you're going to get rejection, you know, and you're going to be turned down. But you have to be strong mentally to know that, okay, this is just one rejection, then I'm going to keep working, just like you'll work on the athletic field or as you transition. But understanding what it is that you want out of life and know that a commitment is a journey and that it would, that journey would take, you know, a very long time. It just once you reach I'm, one goal. I'm, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I got to be fair no. to everybody else. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> I don't want to say no. No, I don't, <laughs> no, don't want to. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, thank you. Uh, mental strength was really what I got from that. Um, it, we have to let these athletes know that you got to be able to persevere. I mean, you're going through so many challenges, and they got to be prepared for that. To prepare to to hear someone say no, or you're not good enough. Uh, Eric, let's uh, let's bring you on here. Getting a perspective from down under is really good, but also at the level that you're at. What is the biggest thing young athletes are not prepared for as they go after gold medals or in the pro? And what should we do about it? You're on the clock. Mate, everyone's really answered everything. Um, I like yeah. exactly what Jackie, Jackie was saying. Um, you know, if you, you, all you've got to do as an athlete and as a young athlete, if you, if you don't have it figured out already before you go into it, you've just got to do the math to be the best in the world, to be the best at the Olympics. All you've got to do is you've got to be the best in your country or the best in your state or the best in your school and this. And you see, so you, you figure out all the steps that you've got to do along the way. And it's like, wow, the chance of me actually getting to the Olympics is really, really difficult. The chance of me winning a medal is almost impossible. The chance of me winning is like mind blowing. Um, and so that they sort of need to know that. But you also at the same time is you, if you tell a kid at 18 and, and I said to some kids the other day that I was speaking to, I said, look, I didn't win an Olympic gold medal until I was 30, okay? So you're now 19 and you've got all this aspiration and you think it's going to be really good. I'm like, if I tell you that for 10 years you're going to battle your ass off to get there, that's what it's going to take. So that realistic expectation of knowing what, uh, of how long it's going to take, they need to know that. But in hindsight, at elite sport, it's very different in people that are just trying to participate, trying to have it as a bit of a career and a bit of fun. But when you get to the point where you are just literally, this is my life, I'm going for it, you, realistic expectation comes in and you might not make it. Um, and so there is that comes that point in time where it becomes so cutthroat, but that's elite sport. And if you want to dive into that, it's no different if you want to be the CEO of a company. You have to be ruthless about how you're going to do it. You have to, like, no family, no social life, whatever. You've got to just go 100% to try and be this guy that's going to earn $10 million a year. And that's how you go about doing it. So at some point in time, especially with sport at the elite level, time. that's just what yeah. happens. Yeah. You know, it, you're, you're right. You're right. You're all right. You're all, you all agree with one another. We're all right. And, yeah, yeah. and I mean, just the way it is, like you all agree with one another. But there's one thing that I, I pulled from that that was so important. It's because he was at the professional football league, which is a little bit different than getting a gold medal. Still, I mean, they're, 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 they're both incredibly hard to do. But it's that plan B aspect. I just don't think that us as coaches or parents or guidance counselors ever tell athletes or people like, you need a plan B and you need to think about what your future's like 
10, 20 years from now. Uh, after a word from our sponsors, we're going to get into coaches yelling. And I'm going to tell you right now, everyone's advancing because we need to keep this dialogue going. More from us here in a couple seconds. We're back, and uh, look, in coaches yelling, this is really just a discussion, it's, uh, it's not that rare that we all have everyone agree. It's just because these are elite athletes that have been at the highest possible level, and they all have done multiple sports, and they all agree with that. But we're going to get into the coaches yelling aspect of what was the hardest part of transitioning from being an Olympic gold medalist and having that be your day in and day out or being a professional football player day in and out day in and day out to doing what I would call real world because you're not real world when you are training at that level and competing. Now you all are in a different part of your world and in a different part of your life. So uh, the way this is going to work is I'm going to open up the discussion for the five of us to have. Um, hopefully the folks watching or listening are going to gain some perspective and, and maybe gain some, some ideas on how to better handle their life in the future. So I'm going to put the clock on five, 10 minutes. We're just going to discuss it, guys. What is the hardest part of transitioning from sport to the real world? We're on the clock. Oh, like to start? oh you get, you get fat because all you do is drink beers and eat food. And <laughs> so hard. Your exercise routine changes, but your diet doesn't. And then yeah. after sports, <laughs> you're going to gain that 20 pounds real quick. Um, uh, that too. Um, for me, the biggest thing was the lack of guidance. So once I retired, it was like, there was no coach there who, and my teammates who would hold me accountable to like show up. Um, and it's so, you know, interesting that when you're applying for all different jobs, you know, people, they, of course you're important at the job, but it's, it's not like when you're at the top of your game in a sport, if you don't show up to practice or you're, you know, you don't show up for that race at the Olympics, like you're needed there. And in like the real world, it's very hard to find anything where you're like that needed. I mean, unless, you know, you know, parenting is, I guess, something that would be similar, but in like a job. Yeah, when, you, when you're, when you're the, the great thing, like if you're, very, if you're a very successful athlete, doors are already open, okay, 100%. And, and you see that all around the place. And the fact is, if you're not successful, then the really hardest part about transitioning, and we see it with different athletes and, you know, and we, we're sort of lucky we haven't had too many cases of sort of like dramatic, you know, dare I say suicide and that because people can't handle what they do. But the fact is that you spend, say, 10, 12, 15 years of your life pursuing a goal. And then what happens is you're basically leaving that with no work experience, going back into the workforce and starting your job where Mr. 22-year-old out of college, out of university <laughs> is. And you're yeah. just like, oh, shit. And that's the hardest part for a lot of people to handle. Yeah. is for that actual fact. Um, and I think that's where the, the transition struggle is really hard for people. Whereas when you're an Olympic champion, you've got people wanting you to come and work for you. And so you're basically straight into management advisory roles and all this sort of stuff. So it's easy when you're successful. And it, this is where the, okay. the, the pushing, maybe pushing the kids. Maybe in New Zealand where your face is plastered <laughs> on the side of the car, buddy. But there was nobody calling me... <laughs> to come be in management. So. so so Jackie, Jackie, you were in three Olympic cycles 
what was it like leaving that level of, I mean, you were famous, you were worldwide famous and becoming a professional. What was that transition like for you? What was the hardest part? So uh, I think for me, uh, growing up in uh, the community of East St. Louis and uh, having a lot of, uh, when I say support or coaches uh, who I connected with through the community center. So I knew very on that I wanted to have a community center. I wanted to work with young people. So as a part of my journey, even though I was competing, I was always uh, establishing and uh, making relationships, Mm -hmm. but it was basically about the work that I wanted to do beyond what I was doing on the field. So I knew once it came time for me to retire that I was already doing what I had planned out to do. So I early 81, I I knew once I lost my mother when I was a freshman in college that uh, the center I came up in, it closed. I wanted to figure out a way how I could open it. I started my foundation work in 1988. And then from 88, then in 96, my last Olympics, I broke ground on the Jackie Jordan Kersey Center opened in 2000. So it was always a, a path because I was in the event that even though people might say I'm famous, but I was in an event that wasn't considered glamorous because it was the multi-events they have tap mm-hmm. Everybody can identify with the fastest woman or the fastest man. And here I am doing an event where, you know, it's uh, <laughs> stamina, speed, endurance, you know. <laughs> but anyway, but I think all of that prepared me. And and I, and I think that we have the ability to work with young people and tell them that they, there is more to them than athletics, you know. So when someone introduces you to someone, you know, you, you take their name and stay in contact with them. It's not for what they can do for you, just developing these relationships. And then also uh, speak, speak clearly, you know, because mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a such thing as speaking in front of a corporation and people were wanting to become all these uh, other opportunities that I didn't even know existed, but I was prepared when the opportunities continued to present themselves. James, from the football side of things, was there any guidance like Susan brought up? Was there any guidance for you after you left the, the, the league? There's resources. I wouldn't say there was guidance, but you know, they tell you in the league, you got to be ready for your plan B. You don't know when, you know, your last play is going to be. But I really liked Eric's point because I really – that really resonated with me when he was talking about how you, you, you finish your career in athletics and now you're entering the workforce with 22-year-olds. Um, you know, for the first, I would say, 15 years after athletics, I got job after job because of what I call the halo effect. You know, an, an employer would look at the resume, they'd see the NFL on there, and they'd be like, Oh, he must be qualified because they're in some sense. They're right that there's a lot of transferable skills when we're talking about being a professional athlete. There's discipline, focus, teamwork. There's hard work. There's that kind of that level of commitment. And those are great. But if those aren't channeled to something specific, then uh, it can be really challenging to try to, like, navigate those skills. And what I realized uh, two years ago was that, you know, when you stop playing athletics, you're at the pinnacle of your career, but you didn't start there. You started in peewee leagues. You started like learning like how to hold a ball and like how to like do something that was like really remedial. And then you, you built upon that and you built upon that and you escalated it. And so two years ago, I was like 
I was just like so depressed and I was like so unfulfilled with the careers that I had been choosing and I'd been choosing them for money. I wasn't really like clear with what my purpose was and I wasn't clear with how to transfer my skills to something new. And so I talked to with a friend of mine who worked in sales. He worked in tech sales and I was like hearing what he was doing and I'm like, man, that sounds great, but I'm going to have to start at the very beginning to get there. And so I was like, I got to bite the bullet here. So I, in, I took on a 50% pay cut, took an entry level position with a tech company. So I'm working side by side with 20, mm -hmm. 25 year olds. And you know, they were making like little jokes about, you know, you know, calling me Mr. Hill and stuff like that. <laughs> but look, I brought it upon myself. I waited to start back at the beginning to master some craft. Um, and so I brought it on myself, but because I started back at the beginning, I slowly kind of like learned something new. I learned sales and sales is a craft that a lot of athletes transition to because it's also a craft that you can master. Um, and I slowly became, you know, a little bit better, a little bit better. I wanted to quit every day that first year, but you don't quit. You just keep learning and improving. You have that growth mindset. Um, I got a, I ended up getting a promotion, which, you know, moved me to a director position, which I was like, thank goodness. Like on my LinkedIn page for that first year and a half, I was like, um, a tech expert or a CX expert. I wouldn't put that as a sales development rep because that was like an entry level position. I was like, I didn't want people to know it. Anyways, um, so, so Susan, but, you know, there's, actually, there's one, there's one, there's one thing with this is that what, what the themes comes out and which I've seen is the fact that what actually tends to happen is that when you're an athlete, it's like having a midlife crisis and you see all of these people who have a midlife crisis. They're a lawyer and they're loving all this stuff. And then they go, you know what? I hate my job. I hate every day that I've been working with it. I'm going to go and buy a cafe and become a barista, you know, or something like that. No, no, but what you do is you, you absolutely have this dramatic change in what you're doing. You go from one to another, you know, you could be an accountant or you could be like in, in stocks then all of a sudden you want to go and you want to just actually work down at a local, you want to buy a sports store and be a, a shop clerk because you're like, you know what? No stress, no nothing, all of this. So it's just that matter of actually just doing that whole switch around yeah. and that's where you get to. Now, if, so now you all have reached that point, right? Like where you were the, at the top of your career. You don't regret any of this, do you? Susan, like you don't regret spending 10, 12 years of your life dedicated oh, no. to support, do oh, you? Oh no, oh God, absolutely not. So then it's fine, right? You just, it's, so uh, Jackie, I have a question for the, each of the four of you. If you could talk to your 16-year-old self right now, what would you say to that 16-year-old, Jackie? Go play golf. Or direction? Go play golf and earn millions of dollars. <laughs> no, that's what people tell me. <laughs> you should have picked up tennis. <laughs> uh, I would say, hmm. To my 16-year-old self, uh, I don't know, I, I, that's, that's really hard for me because it's one of the things when I was in the sixth grade and one of uh, my sixth grade class, one of the students came back and visited our teacher, Miss Young, and, and he said to all of us to uh, work hard, do everything you're supposed to do so you don't have to come back with regrets because I have regrets not doing what the teacher was telling me to do. And so that always stayed with me, you know, from the standpoint of just trying to, you know, you find your way, you, you, you fumble along the way, but never ever did I think about giving up. And even when it was mm -hmm. difficult, you know, I still found a way to try to uh, get it done. Or even when people counted me out, 
It wasn't about them. I had to really focus on 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 me and allow my team to be that support for me. So I would say my 16-year-old self, yes, keep smiling, keep laughing, keep having fun, but also know that uh, discipline is always a part of the process and hard work. I like that. How about you, uh, Susan? What would you say? You know, actually, I almost just wouldn't say anything because there's mm. there's almost like, nothing that I would want to change in that past, in that oh, journey, wow. because I actually, I used to have this trophy back here. Unfortunately, I lost it at a speaking engagement. Um, but the only trophy I got my senior year was most inspiring. And it was all because everyone else got something. So they felt bad and gave me something. <laughs> it was like most spirited or whatever. Um, but you know, if someone would have told me, oh, you're going to go be an Olympian, like, I never would have believed that. But also, like, I had to go through being really bad at those other sports to start, again, like, that appreciation of, of what it means to be not just good, but then at the, the best in the world. I love that. James, yep. how about you, man? What would you say to your 16-year-old self? You know, um, I think that, you know, the two most influential things in a person's life are the books they read and the people that they surround themselves with. And in, in my life, the, the people that I've surrounded myself with that have, you know, helped me become a better version of me, I think is something I probably didn't learn until later on. Uh, I wish I'd like surrounded myself with um, people that I knew I could lean on and tap into, ask advice, and you know, that I could, you know, I had those people in my life, but I didn't realize how important they were. So I, I wish I'd put more weight on having those kind of like positive relationships and mentors. Good advice. Eric, how about you? Uh, so I've actually thought a little bit about this, and the fact is that as a 16 year old, you've got to basically go back and say to them, look, your whole life is around decision-making and crossroads. You come to a point where you go, this is my decision, I do this or I do this. And whatever you go on, you have to accept how it goes. And then you come to another one and you do it again. Then you do another one, you do it again. And your whole life is just basically making one choice or another. Um, sometimes you might have three choices that you could go down. And whatever you choose, you just have to go, you know what, this is just going to be what I am, who I am. And, and how it's going to shape me as a person going forward. Because we can all look back and go, I wish I'd done this, 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 or this. You know? And it's like, well, okay. But the fact is that you're here where you are now, and we wouldn't be where we are now if we hadn't have got to those crossroads and all of us sitting here today and made that decision, that's where I'm going, that's what's going to happen. And there's so many different people around the world that, that have done the same. Like, I regret some of the decisions that I made because it could have, you know, you could have done something better or worse or whatever. Um, but the fact is that they just shape you into the person you are today. So as a 16-year-old, just say, look, life's going to be amazing. You're going to have all of these choices. You can do some amazing things if you just um, just stick around. You know, Do what you want to do. Have a bit of fun and take it yeah. as far as you want to go. Whether you want to go all the way, whether you want to quit, who gives a shit? You know, just have fun and enjoy it. Enjoy life. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things is like, when I say pro-life, I just want people to be happy and experience, go overseas, um, you know, do stupid shit, but actually just have a, a really good life. Um, and that's what we've done. We just took some bits of it really bloody seriously. So, <laughs> You know, I was thinking about who am I going to declare a winner here? And I think the audience and myself Everyone. 
just one because I got to listen to all you talk and well, like no participation trophy. <laughs> I got them here. Give it to Suzanne. Well, if I, I love it, you guys are so competitive. I love it. Well, you know what? I'm, then I'm gonna I'm gonna declare a winner then because that's how we do things. And you know what it was? It's um, Susan Francia. When you said I wouldn't say anything to my 16 year old self, that hit me so hard. And everyone acknowledged and 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 went, yeah, you know what? That's right. Because there's nothing that you can say to your 16 year old self that would change the outcome of your life. And you don't regret anything you've done. You all, you know, James, you restart your career three or four times. Jackie, you dedicated 20 something years to your profession, to to your sport. And you impacted the lives of, of, of millions in some cases. Susan, you've had to start over as well in your career. Eric, you're starting over in your career, but you guys don't regret what you did for your profession when you were rallying. Oh, I really wanted to win a couple more races though. Oh, yeah, come hey, on. we all did, right? We all did. <laughs> so the way we close this thing out, Susan, congratulations. I love that you had to have a winner here. Um, we're going go, to go around. I paid him, guys. I paid him. <laughs> no. Money's in the jackets. Uh, we're going to go, James, the way we do this is we close it out for you got 30 seconds to say closing arguments, closing discussion here. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I, I enjoyed this. What would you like to say to the audience? I don't know. I mean, just because, just piggybacking on what Susan said, you know, about wouldn't change anything. I think she's absolutely right. There's, I, you know, I've done a lot of work with youth um, before and after my career in the NFL. And one thing that I've learned through the, you know, studying youth is that, you know, the prefrontal cortex is that part of the brain that's uh, responsible for rational thought. Uh, so uh, that doesn't fully develop in a human being in a male until like 28, 29 years old. So when you ask a kid, what were you thinking? And they say, I don't know. They're, they're being honest because that part of the brain hasn't fully developed yet. So it's like, you know, you got to do the best you can with kind of like being, you know, a, you know, helping kids, you know, by being the best mentor that you can be, but you also have to give them the freedom uh, to be able to, as Eric said, make their own choices and learn from those choices uh, and can help them to connect the dots between those choices. That's great. James, thank you so much. Jackie, what would you like to say closing out here last 30 seconds? I would say, you know, uh, yeah, to to the parents out there, uh, the reason I chose to say uh, pick multi sports uh, because uh, we talked about the passion, allowing young people to have fun. Sometimes when they just focus on one single sport, then by the time they are really great and ready to go, and they rebel because they were pushed from a very young age, and then all of a sudden we see greatness in them, but then you, they disappear. So parents be parents and allow your kids to have fun and find their way. Oh, mm. could have been better. Thank you so much, Eric. A second place finish today. I think you've won both times you were on the show. Susan crushes you here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, look, hey, um, completely agree with what Jackie said there as well. And um, you know, as a, as a kid, my parents just said, whatever you want to do, we'll support you. If you don't want to do it, fine. Um, and, you know, for kids, you just got to sometimes say, look, everything's just about having fun. Like, I just really think that if you enjoy doing something, you're going to do it to the best of your ability. It's as simple as that. You know, whether it's job, um, whatever you want to do, you know, it's no, no different than mate, uh, buddy uh, quitting your job and becoming a, a what is it? A tech service guy. <laughs> the um, basically that's it. You know, you just got to have fun while you're doing it, and if you do that, then life's going to be good. Like, thank you. That's great, Susan. 
First time on the show, victory Woo. gold medal. Uh, <laughs> what do you want to say here, closing it out? Um, I think my last thought is just, you know, for parents, just teach respect. I think that's one thing that we need to keep teaching. Doesn't matter what era we're in. Um, just, you know, teaching and being a good role model in, in that respect, um, being respectful to coaches, teaching kids to be respectful to their teammates. I think that has also, that, that takes you a long way and, and also a, a more appreciation to like learn and to really take in everything that, you know, how people are trying to guide you. So I think that's my, my last thought, respect. What a way to close it out. And look, I, again, I, I can, I'm so thrilled and, and honored to have the Olympians, a professional football player with me today. We're getting outside of the sport of rowing, but listening to these individuals talk about their journey, about advice, it can work at any level, it can work at any sport. Thank you for watching another Coaches Yelling presented by Rower's Choice. See you soon.